Hi, I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. Due to the pandemic, we bring you One Bad Mother straight from our homes, including such interruptions as children, animal noises, and more. So let's all get a little closer while we have to be so far apart. And remember, we are doing a good job. This week on One Bad Mother, tweens. You can't live with them, you can't get them to shower. We talked to Judith Warner about making sense of middle school. Plus, Biz finds things still confusing. Woo! I tried to move. <laughs> um, this is a check-in. I'm doing very good. It's the last three weeks of my semester, and I don't have enough study time. And that's just like a layer that's there, always. And... The bigger thing is I'm really tired and I'm really lonely. And it's a pandemic and I am in school and working and don't really know how to make mom friends when no one is at the same stage as me. And um, my husband has burned out his job and it's, it's hard because then I'm tiptoeing around and it can't be my turn I need it to be my turn some days but um I'm hanging in there and calling in and hearing that I'm doing a good job so thank you for this and for the show you guys are amazing and a bright point in these long long weeks so you guys are also doing a really good job you are doing a really Good job. It's not just one layer you're talking about. It's multiple layers. This is a a good check-in. I think this is a good thing to check in about. First of all, good job going to school. That's, That's so incredibly difficult to do while also having kids. It's just not something I think that people focus on that much about like how much juggling that actually is. And you are remarkable for doing that. And it's also really hard when a partner is, you know, going through their own work-related burnout on top of everything else. But the thing I hear you say the most is when you need the time, when you need to have the the day off, the attention, the focus. And you do. You do deserve that. I sometimes wonder if we are really sitting in the knowledge that everything is more when there's like suddenly a kid in your house. And then we've been living in a worldwide pandemic that has taken away from us Uh, basic support systems. It has made everything that once wasn't stressful or like a little inconvenient, incredibly stressful and inconvenient. (laughs) It's like always walking around with like fire right behind you. You know, like you're like that cartoon where there's (laughs) like the the gunpowder is leaking out of the bin you're carrying and a little spark chasing you and any minute kabloomy i i think you're doing remarkable 
And I am so glad that you checked in. And finding mom friends is really hard when we can't get out to even be weirdos at the park circling other parents because that was a thing I've done. But I just hope that you know how amazing you are and that they will come. Those friends will come and you are doing amazing. Also doing amazing are just everybody out there who is working to make this new life in pandemic times possible. And we've been doing this, guys, for like over a year now. And so it can kind of sometimes feel like maybe we're done or maybe this is normal, but it's not. So I, I just want to say I still want to continue thanking the people who are just putting in so much extra right now. Everybody in the medical profession, you're amazing. You really are amazing. And again, I really want to focus on not just the amazing doctors and nurses, but the people who keep facilities clean. They are like, every time you get in an elevator, somebody was in there cleaning that to make sure it was safe. Now, look, they were always in there cleaning it, but now I feel like they deserve like serious, even more recognition because it, it's a matter of safety and health. And I think that's just remarkable. I want to thank all the people who work in the service industry and have continued to be pleasant to those of us like wandering back in for the first time, people at Starbucks. Like I haven't been to a Starbucks in a year and a half and now I've started to like wander in like some sort of like, I don't know how to function in a society anymore. You guys are all still so nice. And like still trying to get to know our names. I just really think that's nice. People working at the grocery stores, you guys have been doing this and like holding down the fort as it were for over a year. And I really see you and appreciate you. Hey teachers, how have you guys enjoyed pivoting a shit ton this year? You have a lot. And that's got to be so hard. And it's not like you had some sort of free pass for having like re-entry anxiety, not being part of your experience. I just want to say I see you. And now finally, I mean, there's so many people, but finally, I kind of want to focus on everybody who's been working so hard on vaccine rollout and making sure that uh, it goes smoothly when people get their vaccines, as well as those who are working on extending help to other countries that really need vaccine support right now. So I see you and thank you. Speaking of the coronavirus, I'm still really confused about a lot of stuff with it. You would think I would have a better understanding of how things work. I don't. Today, the New York Times came out saying that the CDC was now saying that if you are fully vaccinated, you no longer have to wear a mask. Now, of course, there's been like 20,000 pages that follow that, like, well, you know, if the restaurant says that's okay, businesses can, you know, make you wear masks, cities, states, all of that. There's a huge long list of like different ways it's not actually 
a free for all. But my question with all of these daily sort of updates on soon we're going to be able to do this and this, none of those include children. As far as I understand it, our children are still at the same risk that they were when this started. In fact, we actually know a little more now that they aren't totally immune to getting it. They may be a little safer because the adults around them are vaccinated. But like, I keep seeing these scenarios being tossed around like by the news and media and all kinds of stuff. Like, hey, everybody, you can, you can have people over to your backyard. And if you're all vaccinated, you can take your masks off. Okay, great. Now, what if I have people over to my backyard and we're all vaccinated, but our children are there? Did they get to not wear a mask? Did they have to wear a mask? Do they have to wear a mask while I parade around without a mask? Because my children will have questions about that. Should we keep wearing our masks? I mean, like, think about it. Like, all the teachers are vaccinated, so the kids go to school. Do the kids still wear masks? I don't know. And I feel like, once again, we are publicly making accommodations to make life great for some adults. (laughs) Possibly some adults who don't have kids. I don't know. But there's still kids in the world. And they have adults that take care of them. And I just still feel like there's this gap. And I, I don't know what's happening. Speaking of not knowing what's happening, I think that ties in nicely to what we're going to talk about today, which is tweens and adolescence with Judith Warner, author of And Then They Stop Talking to Me, Making Sense of Middle School. Woo! Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Ms. and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. This week, we are welcoming Judith Warner, author of the new book, And Then They Stop Talking to Me, Making Sense of Middle School. She's also published eight previous works of nonfiction, including the New York Times bestsellers, Perfect Madness, Motherhood in the Age of Anxiety, and Hillary Clinton, The Inside Story, plus the multiple award-winning We've Got Issues, Children and Parents in the Age of Medication. She's also a longtime New York Times contributor, best known for her popular column, Domestic Disturbances, a former special correspondent for Newsweek in Paris. She has lived in Washington, D.C. for 20 years and speaks frequently on American family life, workplace issues, and mental health. Woo! Welcome, Judith. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks so much. (laughs) I love the, like, family life, workplace issues, mental health. That there is some fine cocktail party discussions. Yeah, people run from me, honestly, <laughs> at cocktail parties. People say things like, okay, and then they turn and walk away. What, they do? That's so yeah. bold of them. Yeah. That's so I bold. I just bum them out. Oh, no. Yeah, come over and sit next to me. That's well, fine. that's the thing. You have to find your people, like, that's wherever right. you are. You have to find whoever is going <laughs> to find the thing that you say funny rather than just disturbingly dark you know i find it funny when we talk about tweens that that sounds like that'll sum up tween talk a hundred percent but before we get into that i want to ask you what we ask our guests which is who lives in your house 
Uh, well, my husband, Max, and thanks to COVID, my daughters, Julia and Emily, they're 24 and 21. Mm. And then, well, two dogs, Grady, who is a Sheltie and is very old, 16 and a half, and Pickle, a Chihuahua, and then a turtle, Lily. <laughs> Whose turtle was it? Emily's. Okay. And if it wasn't COVID, would the turtle be living with Emily? No, I, I don't <laughs> think so. Although it's hard to say, you know, this time of year, maybe Emily would have been back anyway, you know, yeah. for the end of the semester. I'm not sure. Hmm. But I, Emily would very much like not to live with Lily anymore. But Lily <gasps> is probably going to outlive all of us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Turtles. So. Turtles are a time investment. <laughs> yeah. And she has just a foul temperament. You know, you try Wait, talking Emily to her. Emily or the and turtle? She... <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Um, the turtle. Okay, fair enough. I yeah. look, turtles got to live a long time. I would probably have the same temperament yeah. that a turtle. Ha- I mean, turtles. Why are they supposed to be happy all the time? I don't know. She tells me to like fuck off at least Does once she? a day. It's like, yeah, yeah. Fuck off, old lady. Yeah, she's like having a tween. You have grown kids that are currently in your house because of the COVID, but I have noticed that I, because I'm getting to see you over Zoom, that your wall behind you is covered in children's artwork, not artwork done by college age students, but by very much younger, much younger. Tell me about this thing. I guess part of it is that I've been overwhelmed ever since these went up and I keep waiting to have like a calm moment (laughs) so that I can think about what to do, you know, with them. And, and then of course, while I've been waiting for that calm moment after Mm. the past, I don't know, 13, 15 years, all this other art has just piled up everywhere of theirs. And so that really overwhelms and stresses me. And then Mm. I feel like, how do I make decisions? It's like some kind of terrible, like Sophie's Choice thing. Like, how do you decide (laughs) whose artwork comes down or which pieces? And, you know, it's just, it's honestly, it's too much for me. Yeah. No, just, you can, it's okay. Live in the shrine that you made to, Mm -hmm. yeah, indecision. I love this. I would just like... Like, I'm also tempted to just be like, get a leaf blower and just walk in. And then whatever stays, whatever, like a survival of the fittest. That's a really good idea. You're welcome. It's part of my parenting book, How to Get Rid of Your Kid's Art. <laughs> Buy a shredder and set up a therapy appointment to deal with how soulless you've become. <laughs> you know, we had a fire during which we, it was just in the kitchen, but I had oh, to get rid you of, put, you know, everything. You could have put but all I saved, in there. I saved the art. <laughs> <laughs> I, wow. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. That's telling. All right. Yeah. I actually think it's very poignant given talking about tweens because I have a tween and that kid's artwork, there definitely comes kind of a moment where your kids are making you sweet art and a moment where you no longer have anything to hang up on the fridge or the wall. Like there's this like day where it's not coming in as much. <laughs> like in fact, in fact, maybe you're rooting through their room for some art. I'm just kidding. I'm not rooting through my children's room. I guess I want to start with just when did you realize that sort of thing was happening in your house? 
Oh, probably you're saying it just now. I mean, I actually think that you put your, you hit the nail right on the head at why it's difficult to take the art down, right? Mm -hmm. Because it marks the passage of time, because it marks the passage, their passage into adolescence and young adulthood. And all of that is so much more challenging, right? Than the early childhood years. So there, you know, there's a lot of that probably not wanting to part with all that, but, but in terms of, you know, it's funny the parental mourning, you know, nostalgia, sort of melancholic feeling that often accompanies their kids going into middle school, like getting to early adolescence, what you described, you know, going from basically making you all this art with hearts all over it, you know, to not making you art at all and, <laughs> and, and, and sort of reluctantly remembering Mother's Day or that kind of thing. You know, it's well documented that that's a really, really difficult time for parents. And it's been remarked upon by psychologists, you know, for for a long time. And we don't tend to recognize it, though. Like, we don't talk about it. I don't remember anyone talking about it. I'm listening to you say that those words just came out of your mouth. But I can't think of that being something that's addressed when when I think middle school and growing into adolescence I think a lot about the experiences that the child might be going through but not the I god I cannot believe I'm gonna say this because I always thought I would really look forward to these years because ha 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 hilarious somebody slam a door in my face please <laughs> There is like a weird moment of sort of grief of, and it's it's really different for everybody. I like I've got yep. friends who are experiencing it very. Where I'm like, oh, that that's weird. Like I'm good with that, right? And it's almost yeah. like back at the beginning days where you're like, you know, oh, your baby does that, huh? Okay. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's it's it's. There are a lot of things that become more and more tough. I actually was looking up as you were speaking. I was getting up the manuscript of the book because there's this quote I love, but I couldn't remember. And it's 1994 (laughs) that these child development experts, Reed Larson and Maurice Richards, called the switch the deflation of childhood happiness, which I think is such a great phrase, right? Oh, sorry. No, No, I think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful. No, it is. It is a great phrase. Is that in regards to the parents' view or the kids' view? Because for the kids, it's like, welcome to the good. Because if I was a kid and heard that, I'd be like, thanks. No, I think that's, it's in the eyes of the parents. They see them going, you know, from being these like happy-go-lucky kids right to to sort of having the weight of the world on their shoulders because they become so much more aware of what's going on around them and then of course the social stuff ramps up and and that causes a lot of angst and and it's often really painful for the parents to see that and it and it seems like something is sometimes it seems like something is really wrong but it isn't necessarily it's just that they're that they're growing up you know Stop and i think it. if you have <laughs> No, I know. Sorry. So I know this is why why people yeah. run away from me. But um, no, no, it's good. I I'm ready. I'm like I'm here. I'm looking I see, at you. No, I see that. Yeah. No. <laughs> but you know what? If especially if you have like a super smiley child, it's a shock to see them become more serious. But but I felt that very acutely with my older daughter. But then you think about like a teenager, an adult. 
you know, who was walking around kind of goofy and smiley all the time wouldn't, you know, that's that, not the that way. That would also be weird. It is. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I want to get more into what, like some of the research you were doing in the book. But before I do that, I got to ask you, we haven't done this on the show in a really long time, but we used to sort of play this game of before kids, after kids, right? Like I was really sure about a lot of things before kids got into my house, right? Like I am never doing this or I'm going to think this is so great or they're going to love it when I play guitar, right? Like <laughs> all that stuff. <laughs> and then you have kids and you're like, here is the iPad. And I just stop yelling at me about the guitar music. And right. So I, before children and even when my kids were really little, I was like, bring on, I am not an infant person. I'm, I don't do babies. I'm not a baby person. That's not my area of comfort. I mean, they're nice, but like not my place. I was like, bring on the tween and teen years. I am so ready to watch some teen angst to like all of this kind of stuff, like slam the door, call me horrible things, storm out. I can't wait. And then my child dressed themselves in an outfit that I thought was the, like, just made them look awful. And they wanted to do this thing with their hair. And I realized maybe, maybe I was not as cool as I thought I was. And I had to really force myself to think about what my parents let me do, right? Like, they let me be as awkward as I could possibly walk through the world being by choice, right? Mm -hmm. And so did you, what what did you, did you have like preconceived thoughts of like, oh yeah, that, that's going to be sweet <laughs> or it's going to be awful? You know, it's funny. I was thinking, I was trying to think what, I think I didn't at all know what to expect. I knew it wasn't going to be anything like my home growing up. And mm. I mean, this is sort of heavy, but this is the truth. This is what came to mind for me. Before, you know, my older daughter was born and even through like the early years of both of their childhood, maybe through much of their childhood, I felt so strongly that I never wanted to make them feel like they were valued for their achievements. That was mm. just probably the most important thing to me, you know, that they know that they were valued for who they were on the inside and that externals really didn't matter so much. And then they get to 11th grade and all of a sudden it's like, <gasps> you don't have any leadership positions on your, <laughs> on your coming up. And, and what about the, you know, raising these grades? And I remember saying that, I don't know, I guess I talked to somebody who brought up the leadership thing and I said something to my older daughter and she was like, you are asking me to go back on yeah. everything, every value you've ever yeah. taught me through my lifetime. And I was like, yeah, but Bye. yeah, it's okay. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I mean, it's like deep down, I still believe what I believe because, yeah. you know, I know it's I know that it's right. And, and there really is no happiness to come from value valuing yourself for externals because they could be taken away. So, you know, it just doesn't, doesn't make you happy. But at the same time, sometimes I wondered if I didn't set my kids up for mm. success the way other parents did by by not pushing them to be competitive, by just a lot of things like doing things that I that I thought were right, that sort of went with my principles. Sometimes living in DC, and, and this sounds like a humble brag, and I don't mean it that way, but I would literally think like, oh, you know, life would be so much easier for them if I just hadn't said that, you know? It, and oh, I really don't mean this no. as a humble, I honestly no, no, don't. I, I know I, that you don't mean you know? it as a humble brag because yeah. you're, I am a 
person with kids. So I know what you're saying. Like, I, I know exactly what I see you because like that's, I think for everybody, it's something different, but it's the same. It's the, you know, and it comes not just at the 11th grade hour. It comes at five, at, you know, at at 12, at 17, at 32, where you're looking and you're thinking, if I had or if I hadn't, would they be better prepared? Would they be different? Would they, and, you know, it... If I'd sleep trained instead of, you know, doing this, then maybe my child would be less of a picky eater. I don't fucking know, right? But, like, it's just this built-in sort of narrative that's been given to us that we're supposed to really beat ourselves up about stuff that's already happened. And so I just want to say... Maybe you did. Maybe you shouldn't have done that to your children. I don't know. But I don't know. I, I but it's but it's done. All we can do is what we think is best at the at the right. time. And this ties into the middle school thing so well because well, I it think- does. Even yeah, I'm thinking about it in terms of the middle school thing yeah. because I you know, I never thought of myself as weird. I always thought of myself as pretty as really pretty mainstream. Yeah. You know, you could probably already disabuse me of that because I <laughs> the turtle talks to me, but um <laughs> but I did. I never thought I was like in any way out there. And I realized in middle school, like when my when my daughters were in middle school and they weren't they weren't like everybody else and like I thought, Oh my god, maybe I should have I should have said more things like, well, what's everybody doing? You know, what's, yeah. because I, I'm an only child. I was an only child. And I think when you're an only child, oh, that's it. That very often it. you're like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, you're, you're no. in your head all the time. Yeah. So I did start thinking about this at that age, because that's when you see the social hierarchies forming and everything. And you think like, oh, how come? I remember thinking, how come they can't be fake? Because I would think about how I got through being that age. Oh, I know. And it was by being com- just totally fake. Okay. Let's let's shift into this because I I think the book you go into not only the history sort of of how we viewed adolescence and I love that really it wasn't until recently in the grand scheme of things that we started actually trying to learn about like what yeah. was happening and then it's almost at times less about what's happening to them and what's happening I think about that sort of notion that you know, back in my day, we had it great. Or back in my day, we did, you know, I used to walk to school when I was two years old. And I, you know, like, whatever. And look, I, I was such a great person. But I think, like, with adolescence, I don't ever want to be like, back in my day, we would get sent to work in factories when we turned 12 and get, or get married. Like, that's not, like, I'm all right. Yeah. I understand we might have adjusted really far the other way as well, but... It is about our experiences sometimes being placed on our kids. So I, that's a lot. Let's go back and start with sort of the history. Like, how does knowing the history of this help me not be super uncool in front of my kids' friends? Here, solve that. Well, <laughs> that, that's impossible. There's nothing oh, you can do for that. It. So just, just forget it. Just um, be super cool. <laughs> no, I mean, you're gonna be. Un- I'm sorry to tell you. I know you're gonna be uncool no matter I know. what. Oh, I know. I just you know and rev that. And that's up. okay because you don't want to be the mom and Mean Girls. No, isn't it? Mean I, know, girls I don't want to be the best friend. I don't want to be the best friend. I've already yeah. told my daughter that several times. I'm not your best friend. 
I'm your mother. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So that's just a lost cause. But I think it, well, what I found really interesting in looking at so many things, I mean, I loved learning about the history, but it's that people have been saying the same things about kids this age, adults have been, ever since they started spending a lot of time with them, which they didn't do until the yeah. mid to late 19th century for most mm-hmm. people. And then, you know, they because kids would go out and start working, you mm-hmm. know, either for other people as servants or in the fields, that kind of thing. If they were really wealthy, they would go to boarding school, the boys at least, at a pretty young age. And also the early adolescence was later because the age of puberty came later. And mm-hmm. so there was there wasn't so much of a gap between puberty and marriage, basically. Right. Yeah. So, you know, and then that too started to change in the 19th century because of more food and less manual labor, at least for middle class people in the cities who were also the people who saw the value of seeing of having their kids stay in school longer. And, you know, before that, if if a kid stayed in through all the way through sixth grade and, and was there all the time, that was that was pretty good. So you have these families who start having to spend much more time together when their kids are, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14 and 15. And immediately you get the same complaints. You know, this is the worst time in in someone's, you know, parenting life, although it was always mothers. Yeah. They're, you know, the, the kids are obnoxious. They're awful. And then once they start going to school together in junior high school, there are the same fears again of bad influences, you know, kids who you don't know from the neighborhood, who come from further away from families. You don't know what the families are like. You don't know what kind of, you know, again, what kind of influences are are coming into your kid and complaints about media. And Mm. at the time, you know, early on, it was radio or motion pictures, you know, Um, (laughs) you know, these were the (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the, these were the sources of corruption, yeah. but people, parents talked about them the same way they mm. talk about social media now. Yeah. So it was really, oh, yeah. it was fun to see that. And it was also fun to look back and and also focus on the, the present statistics and see that every generation of parents is terrified that their young adolescents are getting up to all sorts of new, scary, terrible things that they couldn't even imagine. And it's just not true. You know, yeah. it never was true, really. And I guess it was true for people our age. Yeah, but, but we're you know, different. <laughs> but we, I mean, we are just, we were like the pinnacle of badness. Yeah. And it, everything has, has gotten better and safer and, and just less pseudo grown up since then. Well, it's interesting. I, uh, it's impossible to have kids in your house. I think what's, unique about middle school is as adults, I think it is the first like window into our personal memories that are really concrete. I mean, Mm -hmm. now they may have been distorted with time, but like I, you know, I have vague notions of being seven or like in second grade or like whatever, but like middle school, I really remember more of the elements than I do anything else. So now that my child's entering that, I only see those things. And it's so funny because I, I was a good kid, but I was also a risk taker. And so I can remember doing things that I think, oh, Jesus, I hope my kids don't do that. Or if they do 
God, I hope they have the sense to pick up the phone and call me, right? <laughs> or, or they know how to get home, like on their own, right? Just like whatever it is. I just like hope they know. And of course, the only way they're going to know is if I tell them. But right. I, I think like a product of our generation that I don't think was there before. When I was a kid, Judy Bloom, that was about it. Okay, 16, right. like these are, these are sort of the resource, 17 magazine, right? Like yep. these are the resources that were available for me to understand what being a teen was about. Right. My oldest, by the time they were in fifth grade, had already read like, you know, Nightmares of a Middle School, like a million books on middle school because we all grew up and started writing about how horrible middle right. school was. And like every TV show is about horrible middle school. <laughs> so... My cat's always like, is it going to be like last night, literally we were sitting on the couch and they turned to me and say, am I going to be, am I going to be okay? <laughs> am I going to be okay? And I was like, just asking that question means you are going to be okay. Yeah. You are, you're, it's a, it's going to be awkward. It's going to be awful. There's going to be some ups, some downs, all that. But that's like, that means you're doing it right. Did you, did you find that? Now, kids already have like a preconceived idea of what nightmare, <laughs> nightmares await them. Have we ruined it again? <laughs> I'm trying to think. I, I'm not sure they do because I think they look forward. I think kids always look forward yeah. to getting older, at least up to a certain age, right? I mean, yeah. so I, I don't think they necessarily do. I also think they know, I mean, you know, they're so much more with it than we give them credit for being oh, yeah. often right so i don't know the the newer books on this but like the click novels you know that yeah. my daughters read for fun and that we used to listen to as audiobooks sometimes in the car <laughs> everybody knew they were ridiculous i mean yeah. they knew just as much as i did that they that they were parodies of horrible girls you know and and i felt like you know it's interesting because my younger daughter who's the one with the really dark sensibility um, loved Anne of Green Gables, you know, and that's yeah. the story of a, of a girl around, you know, going through these ages too. I think the problem is actually for us as adults, it's the eyes that we look at them with mm. makes that, and we, we overreact, I think as a result, because we remember what things felt like to us and we assume it's going to feel the same way to them. You know, we just sort of lose the distance and that's too bad. I'm almost kind of mad that it doesn't feel the same way. Sometimes I'm like worried I'm oh, going to be God, mad. I'm so glad. That, right? Like, how, why are you not reacting the way that I reacted for better or for worse? That's oh, I'm so, so glad. Messed up. They have so much more equanimity than I, I did. I'm yeah. so glad. I yeah. watched mine like navigate the first of a big like friendship kind of blow up thing. And it was like so respectful of like boundaries. And I was like, oh, well, that's good. What? I was like, this. What is even happening? I'm like, look, baby, you just need to be prepared that you could go to school today and that this and this might happen. Just be prepared. It won't happen. But if it did, and like, none of it happened. But my parents, I told my parents, and they were like, no, that was the right thing to do was to prepare them for the worst. <laughs> That's so funny because I think, <laughs> see, I think it depends on the kid, right? It does. Oh, it totally depends on the kid. Everything depends on the yep. kid. And it depends Absolutely. on the parent. Well, you uh, know, yeah. that's the problem with parenting stuff. I know. I mean, by and large, right? Yes. 
And that's why, like, in the things that I write, I like to interview a lot of people yeah. and then have their stories be there and, to, and their voices, because at least that way, I feel like you're more likely to find something that speaks to you if yeah. you have a lot of different voices than when you have kind of one size fits all ideas, because it just doesn't work like that. Well, I think what's also nice about how many voices you include in the book is that the sort of reminder that there is no one way to do it, but that does mm -hmm. not mean we don't share right. commonalities, right? That there aren't things. So I actually, I would like to maybe wrap up on what did you find that people found the hardest? Like, what did you find was the hardest thing? Definitely as parents, you mean? Yeah, not yeah, as yeah, yeah, not themselves. as kids, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> As parents, watching their kids struggle socially, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. watching them go through a hard time socially, and, and especially if they the kids got depressed or something like that, it's like agony, you know, yeah. just agony. To It's one thing to go through it yourself, and it is, you know, horrifically painful at that age, but to have it happen to the person you love or the people you love the most in the world you know, that was that was the pain of it. And then also feeling so isolated with the pain because mm -hmm. they they people weren't really talking about that kind of thing. And parents at that age tend to really want to keep up a good face in a way that they don't when their kids are much, much younger and there's more like solidarity around not sleeping or whatever. So, you know, they end up feeling just alone and even maybe ashamed and and wondering what's going on in other people's heads. And I think if the book can make people feel less isolated with their angst when they have kids that age, then I think that would be a great thing because so many of us, I know, felt like that yeah. you know, when our kids went through middle school. Well, congratulations on getting out on the other side of it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you, you did it. <laughs> Your children are no longer adolescents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, writing the book allowed oh, yeah. me to move on, period. Well, from I was stuff wondering that I about was holding that. on to. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. would imagine it really did. Yeah. I would well, now you need to write a book about art on your wall and <laughs> oh. <laughs> choices you made that may affect your children uh, as adults. So I look forward to those oh, no, two books. Thank you. <laughs> I don't think so. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Judith. I appreciate you coming on so much. The book is really, it is helpful. It does help sort of ground you in, it's not just you, you know? I mean, I think I think every stage of parenting has that moment of feeling completely alone. And while it may not be better or worse, it's different than whatever came before it. And it's nice to know that it's normal. So I will make sure that everybody knows where they can get the book and find out more about you. Thank you so much. You're doing a remarkable job, actually. This is just well, great. Thank you so much. It was so great talking to you. I really enjoyed it. And thank you for, for having me on and talking about the book. Absolutely. All right. Have a good day. You too. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Billy, the award-winning razor for days when you want an extra smooth shave. Well, everyone, it's summertime. 
pandemic yes. or no pandemic, it's time to expose ourselves. <laughs> and if hair removal is your thing, Billy is the way to do it. Hair removal is my thing. Yeah. And sometimes there may have been a buildup of me not removing hair from my legs. And some razors I use, you just over and over and over again. But not with Billy. One and I am done. It is so nice and weird that I'm talking about how great a razor is, but I gotta tell you, it's the little things. And that razor makes shaving a pleasure. So guys, get the best razor you'll ever own. Go to mybilly.com slash mother. Look, it is just $9 to get your starter kit, plus free shipping always. You can go to mybilly.com slash mother. That's spelled mybilly.com slash mother. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Genius fail time. Ding dong. Who's there? Teresa is here. <laughs> it's so nice to see you. Uh, that was kind of like a knock knock joke. Yep. But like our version. It's a ding dong joke. Yeah. <laughs> That's our version. Our version. It's a ding dong special. Ding. <laughs> That's what my college band name was. Yeah. All right. Teresa. How are you? I'm fine. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, me too. We're yeah. fine. We're fine. We're fine. We're fine. With that said, genius me. Wow. Oh my God. Oh my God. I saw what you did. Oh my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh my God. That's fucking genius. Okay. I'm so fine that it's been <laughs> no problem at all to keep up with all the different stuff that all the three schools are trying Jesus. to cram into the end of the school year, which yeah. I get. It's not yeah. their fault. They no. have to cram it in. How else are things going to function? One of the things that I really honestly did not do fine with was Oscar, my first graders school, was having their spring fundraiser. And it's like a super cute little like pledge-a-thon to get out and get active. And you just set up your yeah. little page and you ask friends and family to donate and whatever. But it was one of the things like yeah. I've talked about before where I saw the emails and I just, it was at max capacity. I could yeah. not do it. And day after day, I was thinking to myself, <laughs> this might be a thing that I just never do. I just yeah. never click the link. I just may never May never get to it. And we were deep into the week and Oscar said, there's a thing going on. Am I, I'm supposed to be. And I was like, oh yeah, we'll do that. And, but no, I was thinking yeah. to myself, we're, we're never going to do that. Well, last night was Thursday night, the night before the last day of this. <laughs> and you know what? I, I thought to myself, I'm going to I'm going to just do it. I'm in under the wire here. I love this school. I mm -hmm. care about this school. Even my bare minimum last 24 hours, last, <laughs> last ditch effort to show up for this is meaningful. And I did it. And it did not take very much time. 
It probably took 10 minutes and it felt so good to not just let that pass by, but to actually just do something, do a thing towards it. That actually is really genius. I mean, the genius is, even though it was like the last minute, saying, I'm going to still do this, Mm -hmm. right? Not beating yourself up, not like overthinking, just, you know what? I love the school. I want to support it. I'm just going to do it. I think that that is, it's really remarkable because lots of times I would have been like, well, I've just ruined that. Yeah. I came close. It came close. I believe you, but it's really good when we then go past the close mark. (laughs) You can be late. It's that thing of like, you made it. Like You made it. You can be late. You can be late. You can just still do it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. You made it. Well, you are doing an amazing job. Thanks, Biz. So both of my children had to go to the orthodontist. Mm -hmm. This was our first time in for Ellis, second time in for Kat, who went in like two years ago. And then I was like, for example, if going following up with the orthodontist was an email... Mm-hmm. I never followed up. Right. We are now two years later, but some of those teeth just fell on out. So that was helpful. Great. Great. But we go, new, different orthodontists go in. And the look, the genius is I don't usually do the dental trips. That's usually something just early on. Stefan and I made an agreement. He would do all dental trips. But orthodontist, I was like, I could do this. You know, I mm-hmm. this is not, I can do orthodontist. Mm-hmm. And they had to do, you know, a lot of like scans of Mm -hmm. the mouth. And Mm -hmm. I just have to say, Ellis was so great. Wow. And on several occasions would say, I need a break. And the assistant who was doing the scans would say, okay. And he'd be like, yeah, I just need to take some breaths and catch my breath. And okay, I'm ready now. Right. And Amazing. he did this repeatedly. And I, you know, that is like a skill that I want my kids to it's know. So important. It's and huge. I'm not sure that's one that I've talked a lot about with Ellis, but I've done it a lot with Kat. And I just, I was just really happy to witness it. I'm going to take credit for it. Yeah. And what kind of sex is that I can see the older place? Like where Kat is now, where they just pretty much stayed silent through the whole thing, even yeah. though at because one point they, they felt pressured. Yeah. Right. As opposed yeah. to when they were younger, they used to speak out. But now I think they, yeah, they didn't. So I'm like, as long as it's floating around in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. I'm taking credit Good. for my children being able to communicate space that they advocating need. Getting, for them getting out that's of what their they're mouth. doing yes they're, they're advocating, advocating. it's yeah, self-advocacy yeah yes it's so. so huge good job thank you hi biz hi Teresa. i am calling with a genius moment it is a very small genius moment but i am proud of it so i'm going to share it this morning I was getting ready for work, and I have a 20-month-old, and, yeah, I tried to keep him busy while I'm trying to finish getting ready. is very difficult. So I asked him to put ice cubes into my tumbler for my cold brew, 
And he sat there and he put the ice cubes into my tumbler. The trick is that he licked every single one of them as he put it in. But that's okay. I think uh, maybe pre-motherhood that might have bothered me. But anymore, that's not really a thing. <laughs> my grossometer doesn't work anymore. So, anyways, I just thought I'd share. I'm doing a great job and so are you. Bye. It's less of a trick. And more mm-hmm. of uh, your kids licking all your ice cubes. Yeah. But like, like that I think was... it's a congratulations yeah. overall. I, right. I mean, the genius is you no longer get grossed out. And, and what that does is allows you to just move on in your day. Right? Yeah. Like pre-kids, something might gross us out. And we'd have to stop and redo and like mm-hmm. be late and like prolong. And now it's just like lick them and stick them. Yeah, and I it's fine. Yeah, I love this. This Plus is toddlers. I mean, toddlers spit is like. Uh, I mean, they're just so cute and little. I don't it's, know. It's it. Toddler spits like fairy juice. It is. It absolutely I'm, is. Good job. Yeah, good job. Wherever fairy juice comes from, failures. Fail. 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 You suck, Teresa. Fail me, Teresa. Okay, there's there's parts to this, but essentially the kids were into Bionicles for a time. Mm-hmm. We got a couple Bionicles. I think we maybe had three total. This mm-hmm. was years ago. Yeah. And when they were like a little too young for Bionicles, but they wanted them so bad. Oh, yeah. Um, and then they forgot about Bionicles and they didn't care. And then... The Bionicles that we had kind of fell apart or got mixed in with the Legos or got mixed in with this and that, and they made no sense anymore. And periodically, (laughs) I would just find like a chunk of Bionicle parts, and guess where I threw it? Trash. Yeah, threw it in the trash. (laughs) So cut to today, we still have a few Bionicle pieces floating around, and now my kids are mm. back into Bionicles. But now Bionicles cost a million dollars. You Ding can't dong. get them anymore. <laughs> Ding dong. Guess who's back? <laughs> Bionicles. <laughs> I mean, it's... Ugh. I, I'm so annoyed yeah. that I didn't keep them, because now it's like I'm looking at eBay, oh. and the used ones are worth so much money. What? Yeah. It's a, a fucking Bionicle. I know it's a Bionicle. What? I know. I don't understand it either. I really thought it was like such a disposable thing that yeah. like it would just always be easy to get. Not yeah. right now. <laughs> it's like cryptocurrency. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, I, I hope you just told them they got to be around here somewhere. <laughs> totally. That's absolutely what I told them. I guess we'll f- they'll, 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 they'll turn show up. up. Sometime. I don't yeah. know. Keep better track of your toys. Well, <laughs> Teresa, <laughs> that's, you're doing a, a horrible, God, that is such a kick in the pants fail. It is. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, Thanks. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm going to preface this fail with we don't have a new cat. <laughs> oh no okay <laughs> okay so there is a very beautiful cat 
that uh, walks around the neighborhood. I like to think of this cat as the Fonzie of the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. But we've seen this cat in different spots, like on walks. But it's never really been in our yard. Okay. Well, three days ago, it started hanging out, not only in our yard, but like on our porch. Ooh. And it is a very nice baby is a good baby and loves the like let me show you my belly clearly oh. friendly with humans and the kids yeah. are like ah, yeah the cat. i'm like look yeah we've seen this cat all over the neighborhood i am sure that this cat belongs to yeah. somebody yeah it had a flea collar on but uh-huh. i also know that there is a woman somewhere in our general area that puts flea collars on stray stray cats Oh my gosh! Yeah, okay. yeah. That's so interesting. This could be yeah that or yeah. it's just a flea collar. I sent it to the neighbors that I knew, saying, "Have you seen this cat? You know whose cat this is." A lot of people being like, "Hey, that cat likes to hang out in our yard, right?" <laughs> and then somebody said it might be a cat named Whiskey, whose owners let that cat be outside all the time. But we're not sure. So I tell that to the children. And I said, maybe you guys can make some signs. We'll put them up this weekend. See if anybody recognizes the cat. So that is the current status of this cat. I am not failing because the cat certainly isn't being fed cat food at this point. That cat has not been named Penelope. Oh, my God. That is for sure. That cat is not getting a water bowl. That cat has not walked up to our side door and gone, meow. (laughs) We do not have a new cat. Wow. Yep. I just don't even want to. This is next level. I don't even want to identify this as a fail or anything. I'm just going to say this mm. goes in a new special category called we do not have a new cat named Penelope who is getting fed twice a day <laughs> and hangs out all day. In, in wow. fact, he could be outside my window right now. Wow. Not our is, This not- is... <laughs> This is really something else. You're welcome, everybody. This, this is something. Hi, this is a fail. I'm calling because this afternoon I decided to take my kids to the park. We'd been inside the house for about three or four days straight without leaving the house, so I decided we're going to the park. The kids were fighting it. They didn't really want to go. So I had to bribe them, okay, we'll get pop we'll have popsicles at home after we get back from the park. So finally get them to go to the park and get, get there. We're at the park. Within the first minute my kids see some grass and they say, Oh, can we go run in the grass? Kind of taller grass. And I say, Sure, go run in the grass. They run in the grass and my five year old he's wearing shorts and he starts crying and rubbing his legs and saying they itch. And so I take him out of the grass and say, don't worry, you're fine. He says he wants to go home. His legs are itchy. And I said, you're fine. Let's go do something else. Let's go look at some flowers or something. You're fine. You're fine. He keeps complaining. Finally, I look at his legs and he's got these red bumps like hives all over his legs. Turns out that I think he, the grass, the tall grass was 
stinging nettle, which can give you hives. He's so we we went home. He's fine. Threw him in the shower, cleaned him off, put some cream on his legs, and and he's fine. But wasn't quite exactly what I planned for our afternoon out. So anyway, I feel kind of defeated, but you're doing a good job, and overall, so am I. Thank you. Thanks for the show. Bye. Oh, that sucks. It really, really sucks. I'm I'm impressed with your level of acceptance. Yeah, and like I am too. Not catastrophizing this situation because it does. <laughs> really kind of feel like when you're going on three or four days at home and it takes a bribe to go to the park yeah this really does feel like a fiasco and yeah I'm impressed that you're just like yeah this was not what I had in mind but here I am doing my (laughs) thing doing the best I can and you're doing amazing (laughs) yeah you actually are I I feel like there's a topic somewhere in there of it's fine (laughs) oh I know (laughs) it's fine like It'll be fine. It's fine. You're fine. I mean, walk it off. Walk it off, Elizabeth, is what they used to yell to me with my (laughs) fractured wrist. Walk (laughs) it off. Look, she's taking her base. No, she's not. She's coming through the dugout crying. Anyway, memories. Listen, for the sake of this segment, you're doing a horrible job trying to get your children. Let's just pretend that the fail was bribing. Can we? No, that... It just has a general faily quality yeah, it does. overall. Yeah, this is more of a... Things did uh, not work out. Oh, it did not work out yeah. fail. Yeah. It's it's not... You do not have a new cat level fail, <laughs> but it's it still feels rotten. You are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you, I love you. When I have a problem, I call you on the phone. I love you, I love you. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Bowl and Branch. Bowl and Branch's ultra soft organic sheets are transparently sourced and produced in safe, fair conditions. And you'll feel a difference and know you're making one. I feel like as I've gotten older, I care so much more about my bedding and my bed than ever before. Ball and Branch make truly soft, comfortable, amazing sheets. I also appreciate that it comes in like a beautifully presented (laughs) box with ribbon. This feels like a very special thing. To experience the ultra comfortable sheets, choose Bowl and Branch. You can try them worry-free for 30 nights with free shipping and return. And our listeners get an exclusive 15% off your first set of sheets with promo code BADMOTHER at bowlandbranch.com. That's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L, and branch.com. Promo code BADMOTHER. We have wasted this world. Our magic put a storm in the sky that has rendered the surface of our planet uninhabitable. But beneath the surface, well, that's another story entirely. In a city built leagues below the apocalypse, survivors of the storm forge paths through a strange new world. 
Some seek salvation for their homeland above. Others seek to chart the vast undersea expanse outside the city's walls. And others still seek, what else? Fortune and glory. Dive into the Ether Sea, the latest campaign from the Adventure Zone, every other Thursday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. The 2021 pin sale has begun. Thank you so much to everyone who participated in the Max Fun Drive. This is the last year for a while that we'll be doing pins for Max Fun Drive, and the fifth year that we'll be selling pins and donating all proceeds to charity. The past year proved what we already knew that having access to the internet at home is a necessity for work, school, healthcare, and keeping in touch with family and friends. So the proceeds from this year's pin sale will go towards Everyone On, a nonprofit working to bridge the digital divide. We're grateful that with your support, we'll be able to help low-income folks gain access to affordable computers, internet services, and digital literacy programs. The sale will run until May 28th. Folks at the $10 monthly level and above will have access to all of the pins from the drive. That's 38 pins, one from every show on the network. We also have a special 2021 Max Fun Drive pin that all members can purchase. Go to MaximumFun.org slash pin sale for more info. And to learn more about Everyone On and support them directly, you can go to EveryoneOn.org. It's time, everyone, for... A mom having a breakdown. Hi, ladies. This is a rant. I just, I don't know what's going on. I'm in the cold northeast. It's trying to snow today. And I have three kids, and I just, I feel like I haven't had it in me for a while now. And... I don't know. I'm feeling kind of lost. I made them cry because I yelled at them that I think I'm raising terrible people. And that's what scares me the most when they don't listen, is that I'm afraid they're going to grow up to be terrible people. And that made the eight-year-old burst into tears. And I just was like, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. That wasn't very nice. I'm just scared. I'm scared. This is hard parenting. But I just... I just feel myself radiating so much negativity. And I don't want them to pick up on that and feel that too. And I don't want to feel it. But I just don't know. It's just the same old thing. Fuck this pandemic. That's it. Thank you. Bye. Oh, man. You're doing a great job. Teresa and I are both like kind of doing the head nodding like we really see you there like there's a couple of things happening here one you're done your bucket is way full any little thing that gets poured into that bucket it makes the whole thing tip out we can't get better or whatever the fuck better means but I can't think of a better word for it if we're constantly in a state of tipping, filling, tipping, filling, like you never get it down to empty, you never even get it to manageable where you can handle things as they come in. Right now, it's this place where everything that gets added on or any new thing that you have to run into is just, there's no space for it. 
That leads to the, uh, I, I know exactly what you mean about the like negative feeling and I don't want my kids to pick up on it and, you know. Which is itself a vicious cycle. cycle. Like yeah. when you're feeling that way and then you're feeling bad for feeling that way and then yep. you're feeling worse yeah. and you're just feeling worse and then you're feeling bad for feeling worse. Yeah. And then it's, you beat yourself up for not being able to feel better. Why can't yeah. I just feel better? It's, it's there's a certain point where I mean you're doing so much and you're doing all you can do. I feel like we're so used to just being better and taking on more and doing mm-hmm. a better job when we're like at a certain point what we really need is support. Yeah. And to have things taken off our plate and more time and like I'm not talking about like time to be better. I'm just talking about like time to be a person, like to be a self, as we've said on this show, like just just time and some support and some help with some things, which the pandemic has made so impossible, impossible, or at least made so much harder. Yeah. And I just have a lot of compassion for you right now, because it really is, I just see it as like really unfair that like you're in this situation where you're feeling bad, like you're lacking in some way. And what's actually happening is you're just working really fucking hard all the time. And you're at the same time being robbed of the opportunity to feel any sense of like pride in how hard you're working and what an amazing job you're doing. Yeah. Can we get that on a t-shirt? Because that is super fucking accurate. I know the sensation of feeling bad at like snapping or yelling at the kids. Again, a whole nother topic could be I'm raising monsters, right? Like (laughs) this notion of I panic with that same thought lots of times for a variety of reasons. Either the kids do something, say something, don't do something, don't say something. And then a week later, they're great. And I'm like, they're going to be president. You know what I mean? And then the next week, I'm like, (laughs) 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 oh, well. (laughs) Oh, well. I mean, I don't know. I guess my point is that is something else we got to not beat ourselves up about. Because when when you're full and you're tired and you're getting no space, that is something that happens. Yeah. And the best we can do is apologize to our kids. And, you know, my theory that I'm holding on to for dear life is that if I'm telling them that I love them and I am, you know, more mm-hmm. than <laughs> they're hearing me say, God, get out, go to your room for God's sakes, right? Like, then that's going to like balance itself out in the long run. You are doing a remarkable job. You deserve support and you deserve some space for yourself. I'm just saying that. <laughs> you you fucking do. And you are doing a really good job. Teresa, you are also doing a really good job. And I don't know if when you say such powerfully true comments to our listeners if there's any space in there for you to hear it for yourself 
But if I could repeat all those words right back to you, I am going to do that. Thank you. That's really nice. Because you're amazing and you are working really hard. And I see you. you. Thanks, Biz. I see you too. And you're also working really hard. (laughs) Thank you. All right, Teresa. I will talk to you next week. All right. Bye. Bye. What did we learn today, everybody? Well, I can tell you a couple of things. One, really more of a reminder that this is incredibly hard having uh, kids in your house and that it is just one layer of many layers that we find ourselves under every day. And yet for some reason think that don't see those layers as like a culmination of why we feel so fucking broken and haggard, right? We're like, well, it's just this little, no, 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 guys. You have multiple things on you making you feel broken and haggard. And at different stages, we all find ourselves in that place where there is no room for one more thing in the bucket. You guys know I love a bucket metaphor. There's like no more space. Every time something new comes along, it's tipping, it's spilling. So I, I just... I just need you to know that you're not alone when it feels like that. And if it ever feels too much, as always, in our show notes, we've got links to resources that are starting place for help. Because, guys, it's been a fucking pandemic. It's still a pandemic. So I, I, just, I just feel like I'm losing my mind trying to figure out how I'm supposed to feel about where I am, like, a year and some change into this. And I don't know where I am. We also learned that if you've got little kids in your house, one day they will become older kids in your house. And they may be different than you were when you were that age. And that just like, it's so funny, just like the fucking TV shows where you're like, I'm going to show my kids a Charlie Brown Christmas special. No, I'm not. Oh, my God. Everybody's so mean in that. I can't ever show my kids that. And I'm like, what? You watched it as a kid and you thought it was great. How come now as an adult through adult lens, you think it's really the worst thing to show your children? This is that same lens that's going to play into the middle school years, right? Like just because some kid even remotely looks like a kid that you knew, that might trigger something for you. And so we have to be mindful of the lenses that we look through while our kids are walking through the world. Not us walking through the world. Oh God, they're autonomous beings. This is a nightmare. And finally, we've learned that you guys are doing a really great job. I just want to take a moment to say thank you. Max Fun Drive is over. We had a remarkable turnout of new upgrading and boosting members to support the show and make the show happen. And as always, just a huge thank you to those who have been supporting us for years, for eight years, for five years, for one year. That sustained support makes it so we know we can keep doing the show. So I just want you to know how grateful and thankful we are for your support. Now, everybody, 
You're doing a great job. Decisions have not gotten easier. Support hasn't returned to the way that it was. School and childcare, those are still kind of a crapshoot with what's happening and is available to you. And again, we never know what somebody else is just coming from or going through. And to give them and ourselves a little space and a little grace to not be our best all the time. (laughs) Okay, we don't have to be. You're all doing a great job, and I will talk to you next week. Bye. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. You know that right. We'd like to thank Max Bunn, our producer, Gabe Mara, our husbands, Stephen Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things, and of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Well, daddy, baby, bustin' by, got low down mama blue. Oh, said daddy, baby, bustin' by, got low down mama blue. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.